Hi, and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, State Clerk of the EPC. We pray that God uses Dean and his guests to inform and inspire you about the EPC and how God is working in and through our global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian Churches. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. And thank you very much. As always, Rachel, appreciate your introduction, and we appreciate you for tuning in for yet another edition of the EPC's podcast, In All Things. This is a special Advent edition of In All Things, And I'll speak more to what is special about it and why we're focusing this one podcast on Advent. But it will be a different conversation than the one that we have become accustomed to. Usually it's you and me and somebody sitting across the table from me with a conversation. But today it's just going to be you and me. I'll be sharing a little bit from God's Word, a a devotional that I hope will set your heart right in this season and orient you towards the coming of the one who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace himself, the birth of our savior, Jesus, as we approach that celebration. So hopefully this will help align your heart and mind in that direction, because this is the season of such anticipation that we call Advent. Uh, Today's special edition of In All Things is brought to you by the Office of the General Assembly. The Office of the General Assembly in Orlando, Florida, exists to serve you. We exist to serve the local church. We exist to serve our presbyteries. And whether it's a call to help navigate through the challenging waters of technology or finances, benefits, or different resources available for training up and equipping people in discipleship, church planting, global movement, whatever it might be, When you hit epc.org or when you call the office of the General Assembly, one of our small but dedicated staff who love Jesus and love you are here to respond in a way that I hope when you're done, you will feel that you know that our mission is to serve those who carry out the Great Commission. And of course, the mission of the EPC is to carry out The Great Commission as Presbyterian Reformed Evangelical and Missional Churches in the Office of the General Assembly is to serve those who do that. And that's where this episode and each episode, most of the episodes of our podcast are recorded. I'm sitting in a studio with our IT lead, Scott Blanchett, and we're making faces at each other and recording this together. And Scott works behind the scenes along with our digital content lead, Richie Cable, to try to produce these things in a way that we hope is a blessing to you. And I hope maybe even... During this season, as you have opportunity for reflection, you'll give thanks for Scott and for Richie and for their laboring behind the scenes to make sure that these messages come to you every Friday at your favorite place where you get your podcasts. And of course, you're sharing them with others is hopefully not only a blessing to them, but it's a blessing to us as well. So today's special Advent edition of In All Things, this devotional, is because recently I had the opportunity to give an interview on a Christian radio station. And in that interview, my topic was Advent, the antidote to the Christmas blues. All of us have these highs and lows during holiday seasons. Christmas, perhaps the highs are the higher than normal highs and the lows are lower than the 
normal lows. And, you know, uh, my father passed away at the first of December a number of years ago. So it's hard not to go into the Christmas season without missing him. And my wife, Beth's mom passed away in December as well. And so there's always a bit of a, a mixed bag there. And if you have loved ones who have passed, or if you find yourself alone this holiday season, or any other number of things from health concerns, job loss, behavioral health, just discouragement, all the way up to full-blown depression, it can be a hard time, a very difficult time. And I don't suggest that Advent is an antidote in the sense that it can fix that, but I do think it is something that if we understood rightly as a gift from God, it would help us navigate through some of the Christmas blues because we all have those expectations. We've got to be up, 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 happy, 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 ho, 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 don't you know, old St. Nick and, and all the other festive parties and things that can be challenging at this time of year. Advent, actually, is the season that precedes Christmas, but more importantly, it is actually the beginning of the Christian calendar. In the Old Testament, God's people, their rhythms and the seasons of their lives were set around as God had ordained feasts and festivals, maybe things like the Passover, or the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the gathering of God's people around these times to remember what God had done for them. And we have we have similar holidays, uh, both as Christians and, and even in secular society, from the 4th of July and Labor Day, when Labor Day marks the end of the summer, Memorial Day marks the beginning of the summer. We all get together for Thanksgiving, and there are certain rituals that we all abide by. Thanksgiving leads us into Christmas, unless, of course, you show up at Sam's Club or Costco in August, and they're already putting up Christmas decorations. But typically, most of us think Christmas starts after Thanksgiving, when in fact, the celebration of the season of Christmas tide doesn't begin until December 25th, midnight of December 25th, coming out of Christmas Eve. That was always the special thing about the Christmas Eve services that used to end at midnight, if you're old enough to remember that back in the day, that the bell would ring at midnight, and it was Christmas Day beginning of the new season of Christmastide. But the season that begins the Christian calendar precedes that. It's an important prelude called Advent. And Advent has to do with this idea of anticipation, waiting, even longing, and perhaps not often communicated well enough, a sense of lament. I don't know if you've ever thought about Christmas as lament before, but I was recently at a meeting where a well-known worship leader shared the background to the story of the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which oftentimes gets lumped in with your Christmas carols, but it's actually an Advent hymn. Listen to the words of some of this. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom the captive Israel who mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. There's Advent. There's Advent. We mourn in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Come, thou ruler, the rod of Jesus, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, from the depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Another line. Um, O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer, 
our spirits by thine advent here. Dispense the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. So we rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel, come to us, O Israel. So that biblically, lament is never kind of the end of the story. But it's an often neglected and missed and sidestepped important first part of the story. Because biblically, lament always leads to hope. And hope is the kind of first movement in the Advent calendar. We go from hope to peace, from peace to joy and joy to love, the love that fills our hearts on Christmas Day when the Incarnate One comes. And those, those, those movements of a sense of hope and peace and joy and love as they move us through the season of waiting and longing, and starting even with lament, but a lament that points us towards our hope in the incarnate and even, yes, the resurrected one. Jesus. And so if you're feeling Christmas blues, having an intentional entering into a season of Advent might help you process those feelings in a biblically healthy way and move you from the darkness to the light, from our lament to our hope. And that's what Advent is designed to do. It's designed to take us from that place and experience Behold, the people who live in great darkness, the prophet said, for a light has come. And that's, of course, the celebration that begins at the season of Christmastide and the birth of our Savior. So just by way of a little anticipation, a little bit of Advent devotional, of longing fulfilled in the coming Messiah, I encourage you to consider Luke chapter 2. We'll take a look briefly at verses 25 down to 38. And it's really two people who interact with Jesus as a baby who's brought to the temple uh, to be dedicated. It's uh, Simeon and Anna. And hear the story. This is the word of God. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was a righteous man, devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. I should uh, underline that highlight that, the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came in the Spirit to the temple. And when his parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and he blessed God. And Simeon said these words, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother were marveled at what was said about their son. Simeon blessed them. And then he said to his mother, Behold, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce your own soul, so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then a a widow until she was 84. 
She didn't depart from the temple worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, that seems to be right at the conclusion of this interaction with Simeon, at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. And that phrase, redemption of Israel, connects Anna to Simeon a little bit because he talks about this consolation of Israel. So let's just spend a few moments with Simeon and, and Anna, if we would. These two devout people both have one thing in common, at least in this narrative. They're both waiting. They're both longing. They're both looking. And they both have an encounter with the uh, Emmanuel, the God who came to be with us. And they realized that that which they've been waiting for, longing for, that consolation for all of Israel, that redemption of all of Jerusalem, was now met in this child that was there before them at the temple. Ironic, right? At the temple, they were looking at this baby who was now the dwelling of God who'd come to be with them, not in a house made with human hands, but this was from God. Well, that phrase, consolation of Israel, has to do with longing and hopes and the needing of being delivered. That's the redemption of Jerusalem. They needed delivered from Rome, just as they needed delivered from the Greeks, just as they needed delivered from the Assyrians and from the Babylonians and from the Egyptians and the long history of God's people in captivity, unable to deliver themselves, just as you and I in captivity to our own sin, born into it, raised into it, and cultured into it, unable to deliver ourselves. God comes in the flesh as our consolation and as our redemption. And we find in him all of our deepest longings, our greatest hopes, our most profound dreams, all met in him that night. In fact, our deepest longings, desires, all of that waiting, anticipating, all of that could be captured in the the lament of a people in captivity who cried out to God in whom they had their hope. Which is why the first movement of Advent is one of hope. Out of longing and lament, we cry out for hope. But the scripture says it's a hope that does not disappoint. This is not mere wishing for something. This is placing our confidence in a God who has demonstrated that he is faithful to deliver them from the hands of Egypt, Babylonians, he's done it before, he'll do it again. And at the cross, he does it, of course, once and for all, delivering us from that which we could never deliver ourselves. What I find interesting about Simeon's comments is they're, they're kind of twofold, right? The first part is very beautiful. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. I've seen your salvation, the light of revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people Israel. If you'd stop there, you just can be left in this stake of awe. If you're Mary and Joseph, it says the parents were marveling at what he said about them. So kind of stop right there. But then Simeon goes on and says, this child is going to be appointed for the falling and rising of many in Israel. A sword will pierce through your side also, Mary. And many hearts are going to be revealed. So there's kind of a two-edged sword to this coming. A blessing and a cursing. Typically, those who are 
far off from God, and at the end of themselves, desperate, who call out, who need a Savior, and know that they cannot save themselves. Jesus says, I've come to seek and save those who are lost. Didn't come for the healthy, he said. And healthy, many of the religious people of Jesus' day, their hearts were revealed that oftentimes they were more in love with power, religion, control, culture, ways of life, and ideologies and beliefs, many things had surplanted that place of primary worship in their soul, which, of course, since the second commandment, this whole notion of idolatry. And Jesus is going to come and reveal those things to us. And so Advent is a, a season where, like Simeon, we can come and we can realize it's a bit of a cutting-edge sword. On the one hand, light of revelation to the Gentiles, glory to Israel. On the other hand, he lays our hearts bare and puts before us some of our deepest longings, our most profound laments. But it points us back to the one who is not only the light for the Gentiles and the glory for Israel, but the one who can heal those broken hearts laid bare. And again, that is Jesus. And Anna comes across and much the same thing. She gives thanks to God because she has been waiting for the redemption of all of God's people too. And perhaps you too have been waiting. Maybe you've been waiting to experience that redemption for the very first time where you hear the words that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are God's own beloved child. Or perhaps you've known that for some time. But in a fresh way, you approach this Christmas season, feeling a bit of those kind of Christmas blues, not feeling it this year. And if you are, well, you're not alone. And I promise you that if you would enter into the season the church has given us of Advent, those longings and those laments will turn to hope. And as you proceed through Advent, getting closer to December 24th and 25th, You'll have the chance to weigh into peace and joy and love. So this season of Advent is a season of waiting and longing and hoping, and yes, even lamenting. I pray for you that you experience some consolation and that redemption in the coming of Jesus to you just as he came in that first Christmas. Just as he came to Simeon and Anna, may you have an encounter with him this Advent season that brings you consolation and that you experience his redemption. On behalf of all of my brothers and sisters here at the Office of the General Assembly, we love you, we're grateful for you, we're praying for you, and we hope that this Advent season is a meaningful time as you begin to prepare your hearts for the coming of the newborn king. Until that time, please remember, my friends, the good word from God's word that we share every Friday as kind of a way of hitting reset on our understanding of reality together as defined by God's word. Because you see Jesus, who is the Son, is the image of the invisible God. 
At Christmas, we celebrate that he is the firstborn over all creation. And for in him, all things were created. Isn't that amazing? This baby is actually the one who created everything. Things in heaven and things on earth, including those angels that sang his birth. Visible and invisible, there's so much more, my friends, than what meets the eye. Whether it's thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, (laughs) whether it's a, a Herod or a Pilate, they rise and fall. My friends, all things, all things have been created through him and for him. That includes you. He is before all things, and in him, our Jesus, all things hold together. For he is the head of the body, the church, and that includes PC. So in the name of the one that we long for, that we wait for, that we anticipate, the one who is able to bring hope to our deepest laments, the consolation of Israel, the redemption of Jerusalem, in the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Until the next time in which we gather, my friends, I bid grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of the entire team, please join us for our next episode. For more information about the EPC, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.